Give us any chance, we'll take it. Read us any rule, we'll break it. We're gonna make our dreams come true. Welcome to Nash United, a podcast about eight seasons in a row. I'm Mr. Fernandez and... I'm Chris Drywardna. Hello! Welcome to the show that never ends. Uh, we're about to review the most important day ever. Uh, written by Gene Bronstein and Robert Perlow. Chris will probably have facts about the three of them later on into the podcast. Uh, indeed. This is the very first episode of Season 7. We're almost at the end of the show. Uh, this is the final full season, which will feature Cindy Williams. And uh, there are very few changes that will happen to the show's current formula during Season 7 at this point. After the tumultuous California move, season six, uh, very little is going to change. Uh, ratings have gone up during season six, so everybody at ABC went, okay, let's not fool around too much of the formula. It's okay as is, because we went from all the way out of the top 20 back up to number 20, which is still something. I believe that the ratings went up further to uh, 14th slot, 14th place. I'm going to double check that uh, when we come to our final episode of the season. But I believe it went up even higher during this season. Uh, a lot of storylines this season are going to revolve around the fact that everybody's growing up. Everybody's starting to push 30. Um, all the characters are going to be roughly 27, 28 at this point. They're going to be 28, 29 in season 8 that gets mentioned. So we got a lot of we're not kids anymore. What are our goals? What are we doing this season? Which is an interesting yeah. Which is an interestingly mature theme for the show. It is. Uh, it's not unexpected, just given how much the show has been about growing up and getting out there on your yeah. own, like really since the first season. And yeah. it was. It's sort of like one of those. If the writing and show running was more consistent, I think reaching this point more organically, you know, would have been reached more organically. As it is, yeah. it. it uh, I wouldn't say it comes out of left field. It's like something we sort of knew was coming, but it just feels unexpected yeah. in some of the stories we've experienced so far yeah yeah because it, it very much feels like it becomes a factor when we reach california right but things start changing then uh, we do get some you know hints that in season five oh yeah people start to mature emotionally and spiritually and uh, in the relationships and in their personal growth in season five but it becomes even more of a thing as you keep going you keep going you keep going uh during season seven uh, there's going to be a lot more episodes focused on the boys and on Frank and on Carmine because at this point, allegedly, and I'm saying heavily allegedly, but they did reference this in their autobiographies, uh, Penny and Cindy were fighting again. Mm. And they didn't want to be in, within each other's eyesight at that point for a lot of season seven, but they still put it together. Still made it work. Yeah. So, so we have two big changes. There are just two changes that are going to be happening this season. One is that we have lost Betty Garrett. Uh, <laughs> I know. As we heavily addressed in Child's Play, um, she is off doing a Broadway play at this point. Uh, you know, and she's not going to be brought back in after the play is over. So Edna is invisible during season seven, existing in the background in the kitchen somewhere. And then season eight, her uh, disappearance will be addressed poorly, but it will be addressed. Um, and one more thing to note, Michael McKean and David Lander, they're finally in the front of the credits instead of the back of the credits. Mm-hmm. It's finally, you know, top of the credits, ma. Top of the credits, ma. Third and fourth billing. That's an improvement. That is an improvement. It's a cute uh, little moment, too. Mm-hmm. So they deserve all that. Here's what the episode's about. The first day of the seemingly awesome Greenboat results in her landing face-first in the lake. 
it turns out that she's managed to land herself a married man. Again. While she's out drying off, the girl's apartment is invaded by Latvian acrobats, the amazing Snikerskis, who are herded upstairs by the boys, where they plan on stowing them for the ensuing 12 hours. It turns out the boys have landed a spot in a nationally televised show of the Hollywood Palace for them. The girls don't believe the boys' story until Laverne makes out with one of the acrobats and is promptly assaulted by his wife. Hootie Cancer parts on know with her sister, leaving the act down to performers thanks to Laverne's hot lips. Guiltily, the girls step in, and it turns out being a ta-da girl actually involves elaborate, death-defying acrobatics. Can they save the day for the boys? Think of this episode. It's a episode I enjoy a lot of the dialogue of, but, you know, I've, I've mentioned since season six, there are parts that are finally starting to come undone for me and for this show. This is where I started to begin to realize that it has something to do in like the timing and the rhythm of the editing. And I'm noticing some of it is because of the fact that they're uh, waiting for the laugh track to kick in. And I almost wonder that if Turbovic uh, was, uh, or Trobovic was having the issue that he wasn't able to kind of, because he didn't have like the theater background like Rafkin and Zwick did. You know, because he had kind of worked on a bunch of different uh, projects and a bunch of different things. It's almost as if they're using the editing to kind of speed things up. And because of it, it's not having the sort of rhythm, even though like in the wide shots and when it comes to like the physical gags in this episode, they're, you know, fantastically executed. Like the performers themselves are doing a bang up job. But there is something about this episode. Now, I know I'm g- jumping right into the technical talk, but there is something about this episode and really this whole batch of episodes that we started off season seven with that just bugs me. And I, I'm still trying to figure it out. I think that's what it is. So I like the episode. I don't know if I love the episode. I don't think I love the episode. And something about it is just great on me. Despite the fact that I, I would say... Almost all of the stuff with the boys is hilarious. Mm-hmm. The physicality of it is really good. I also, you know, I, I also have to say, when it comes to the character stuff, what really bugs me is the whole, like, almost kind of slut shamey aspect to the way that Laverne is handled. And it felt like, oh, this is a thing that, you know, she just does now, that she is so easy breezy, um, you know, easy, you know, Lucy girl, that she's, yeah. she's as we just pointed out, she's 27. Girl, yeah. you know, you know better by now. You know, yeah. you know the signs way yeah. easier by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this becomes part of Laverne's flanderization. Uh, it becomes a running theme in season seven and season eight, where she, uh, they, they, she's just over the top horny and not paying attention. This isn't even the, the last married man she's going to get involved with in season seven. Oh God! Like <laughs> this becomes a recurring theme. Uh, there's all kinds of things that happen in various episodes where she's just not behaving wisely or carefully anymore. And it gets to the point where you're like almost wondering if they're like the writer's room is judging Penny or judging Laverne from on high. It does not come off well. It does uh, not. But it, no. be- yeah, it becomes a flattening out of her character. Laverne's always had fun, always been here to make out with guys, always been here to make out, make out with other people. But this takes it to the point where she's not even thinking before she's leaping, which was a season one, season two Laverne trait, and she grew up, you know, in the ensuing years. And now all of a sudden we're back in um, season season seven, and uh, Laverne is sitting here doing unwise things like kissing multiple married men without uh, 
thinking. No, to, to her credit, it's not her fault. The it's not her fault when it comes to the second acrobat. Yeah, but but even <laughs> the then, only acrobat. The implication is, and this is the other thing I also have the issue with these episodes. It never makes the bad the guy as the bad guy. Laverne is somehow the villain in the way it's treated tonally, and by pretty much everybody involved here in the show because this is because i mean yeah. bearing in mind this is something that penny had enough control she could have looked at the script and said yeah. absolutely not so she is oh, yeah. she's absolutely complicit in this flanderization of the character and yeah. you know i'm not gonna give her necessarily a pass on it but i will say i agree that i think the fact that these are getting brought up as plot points with the writers and things like that you know the writers are coming back to this what frustrates me as well is that in many ways for this episode the prologue element of having her dripping wet and all that sort of stuff, the only reason that's even there is to set up that she would mistakenly get involved with a, with a married man. And therefore, yeah. when Janos comes on to her or she's able to come on to Janos, because Janos is already kind of giving her the signals anyway. Yeah. That, you know, and and again, we'll we'll get back get back to that. You know, the bad guy really the, the bad guy here is the dude because the dude should be like, yeah. he, he, he he fucking knows better. Yeah. He, he knows, he knows he's married. Yeah, he knows he's married. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like it's like, oh no, I'm sorry, my, you know, when I leave my wedding ring off for the last, you know, three years, I've suddenly forgotten that uh, those vows. What was that again that I said to have to hold forever till death? Do you something something? Hmm. I don't know who I said. My tongue accidentally fell in your mouth, baby. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh God. Yeah. Um. And it. And so anyway, it's just like. So that's something that really holds it back, and it's a bummer because otherwise, I there is a energy that is prevalent through the episode that is wild and and hilarious, and like again, those zinger bits of timing, like uh, you know Penny getting ready to sit down while she's still dripping wet from yeah. the the uh, the lake, and uh, yeah. Cindy's not even looking at her when she delivers the line, you know, the don't even think of sitting on that couch, like that. The, those moments, you know, are fantastic, but it just yeah, so a. I like it with yeah. a lot of caveats. Well, what about you? Like, what, yeah. what's your take on this one? I'm going way higher on this one. I'm just going to go way higher on this. One. I have a lot of fondness for A, the boys are trying to better themselves too. Mm -hmm. uh, the boys are bettering themselves. They're trying to move the world. Lenny, after years of being insecure about his intelligence, actually took a course in conversational Latvian to get these acrobats into the States and get them on TV. To me, that's huge. Uh, Chile and Carmine's relationship is progressing. Mm -hmm. The girls uh, have a really great rap report going on. A lot of the parts that work, and the girls stepping in and going, okay, in Laverne's case, okay, I messed this up. I stopped in your dreams. I'm going to solve this for you. Mm -hmm. And the boys are genuinely you know, so excited and so nervous and so into it. And the girls are so genuinely there for them and so genuinely care about them here. So for me, uh, it outdoes an overcomes and makes it worthwhile slogging through the uh, flanderization issues because it's going to get worse deeper in the season to be frank and that's and that's the catch is you know we're coming at it from these two different perspectives you know yeah. how bad it's going to get i'm still the innocent little you know i've i've encountered the first punch to the gut and you're yeah. aware of what it's going to be like once my fingernails are torn off um yeah and Number so pickles yeah, oh, God, no, no, we're not talking about the nuts and pickles this time. No, it's related. But anyway, though, the because I mean, I agree. I love all all of the Lenny and Squeaky stuff in this is amazing. Yeah. 
there's a little bit of like yeah. an awkward like I'm uh, when I was talking about the the awkward editing and pacing one of the weird like yeah. ebb and flow moments is uh when David does that amazing like madness thing he's sitting on the step you know on the floor essentially uh, yeah. of the sunken room and he's like no it isn't yes it is yeah. and it, and I'm and it felt very like evil dead to me like very like yeah and it, it suddenly yeah. made me realize we were denied David Lander and Bruce Campbell in the same movie yeah that would have been amazing and it was very very doable in the 80s oh yeah and in the 90s when he was still active mm-hmm. it could have been done could have been done it could have been done and we never got that that would have been fun yep um to do them running a um a um Fun house together. Oh yeah, in a haunted music yes. park. Oh god. Oh my god. That would be so. Now I'm trying to imagine Squiggy as Grunkle Stan and Bruce as uh as Seuss, the handyman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A more and even more innocent and more handsome Seuss. Exactly. With great pecs. Mm. There you go. <laughs> I know, I know he did. I've seen, I've, I've, I've seen some of these films. Um, but back to the <laughs> show. Maniac Cop. I've seen Maniac Cop. Yes, I have. You still coming out of bed? <laughs> no. I want to point out though, Leonard. I'd like it. I'd like to put you in my position, okay? And the way yeah, Lenny Michael pulls off getting into the same sitting yeah. position, and it's almost sort of like. Yeah. Hmm. This is. It, I love the expression of this is interesting, on his yeah. face. Like those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His dynamite moments like, like that. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love that. Yeah, I agree. This is what it's like to be a girl. He seems to be thinking. This is what it's like to be elegant, like Shirley. Yes. Boys like Shirley. Yes. This is interesting. That's fascinating. And uh, you pointed out as well, Carmine, the relationship, and Carmine's great in this episode. I love that yes. he, he's even like saying, like, I know it's not, it's not what you think. This is a real deal. He has looked into this, and he's like, holy crap, the, these guys, the guys have actually done something. And I love that he is also so dedicated to this working out that even though it is heavily implied that Shirley cruised the alleys of Smut City with him and still got nothing out of him, and he got something, that big grin on his face. Yep. It's the, there is something super cute about that, and yeah. and it's a and it's very yeah. um, yet it's still also very Carmine in the right yeah. way. I feel like yeah, yeah. It's kind of a look of at last about it. And he's very dreamy eyed about it. He's really in the show. He's gonna be very in the show this season, which is what makes what happens in season eight even more annoying. He's gonna be super into her this season. Super attentive, good boyfriend. Uh, show hits a lot of destiny anvils. During the season for them, and, and the fact that they didn't pay off those Destiny anvils is going to be super annoying. Oh, it'll be super annoying as time goes on. It's so the thing though is that I, you know, this is a really strong script. I feel like yeah. that's the thing. It's a mostly yeah. really strong script, and it's a it's another episode where all of these different, you know, because it's you know we're jumping back and forth because there is so much out going on. I mean, like an acrobatic act. It's a very energetic episode. This is like one of those, like, d- puts its finger in the in the bulb socket, you know, just like, bzzz, you know, zap the audience into the new season kind of uh, premieres. And I don't know. I just, I feel very strange. Like, even when it comes to the acrobatic act, it doesn't grab me dramatically the way that other even simply, more simply staged and shot scenes have in the past in this show. It's very strange. I, I'm like I said, I'm still trying to figure out exactly why, but it does feel like it's the way it's paced and edited and things like and the laugh track is getting really distracting. And I have to say, like, I was surprised at actually 
how far physically this episode goes, like both in the acrobatic uh, scene and even earlier where like, you know, Shirley gets picked up and dragged to the bedroom, you know, and uh, uh, by uh, it's it's like it's it's the it's a very it's got a lot of pizzazz, but I don't know. For me, it works for me. It works. And, you know, just, you know, yeah, it just works better for me. Uh, It grabs me better than it grabs you. Do not quite know why. We'll we'll find out as the season unfolds beneath our feet. Yeah, I do. I do worry about this, though, for me, because I mean, this because the next four in a row are Tom's episodes and all four of them kind of suffer from this issue. Now, when we get to the third episode, not to jump ahead, I do think that has to do with the fact that the DVD edit is very severely cut because yeah. it's it's a uh, considerably shorter episode. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, it's just it worries me because this is this is Tom's fourth episode for Laverne and Shirley, and he's got a lot more to go. Yeah, yeah, he basically becomes the main director of the show for season seven, and season eight. Yeah, he's got a lot of episodes to go. Uh, he basically becomes the lichpin, holding things together. It definitely, you know, like, okay, like, and this is not a dig at him, by the way. This is just because, you know, everybody works on shows that don't go anywhere. You know, tons of stuff gets, gets, goes to pilot, gets a few episodes to air. But like, Joel Zwick, as an example, most of the shows that he directed the pilot episode for or kind of set the standard for, those shows went on to become successes. And many of them, he actually, actually quite a few, I'd say like four or five of them. Uh, he stayed for pretty much the entire run of that show, that sitcom. Tom, on the other hand, most of the shows he worked on, including the one I was going to bring up today, uh, Baby Makes Five, like, those were non-starters. They basically got, like, some of these shows that he worked on, like, got a few, like, four episodes. Like, they were, they made five or eight of them, and by the time the second episode aired, network canceled them. And this comes up regularly. So I'm, you know, and he's very hard to find information on what his perspective about, you know, like his sort of talking shop. It's really hard to do. So it's, it's, it's really hard to track down. So I don't know. It's, I I know I'm going in circles about this. Like I, you know, I wish I could elucidate what it is that's wrong, but I'm still trying to figure out exactly what it is. But I do know the shot to shot edits I began to notice was the problem here. I definitely notice it in an episode coming up, which we're going to go into. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate because, I mean, there is so much coverage. There are so many camera angles. There is so much like material for them to work with. Yeah. Like the whole thing when the wife comes in, when Zola comes in and uh, starts fighting it out with Laverne. And then there's in the wide shot, Lenny and Squeaky come in and Squeaky's like, oh, look, they're rehearsing. Fantastic. And like, that's, you know, it's great madcap, you know, timing. And yeah, I'm trying to understand why do I basically look at this and go, I don't care. That's the thing I'm trying to figure out. That might just be a jack to fatigue. It might be because uh, uh, some elements of it aren't clicking. Your director brain is going, no. It probably is your director brain. I'm hoping it is because that will be a sign that I'm actually like getting director brain again. Because if anybody's noticed, I haven't been talking about the film directing side of things for like an entire season now of the show, and it's been killing me because it means I'm not a director anymore. But anyway, um, well, you're a director still. Yeah. I know, I know. We'll we'll have the off we'll have the off pod discussion about that. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, so. The other thing also is in terms of like um, uh, 
do you feel like for you, like kind of coming back to, I want, I'm curious, I'm curious about your opinion, for instance. Um, the one thing that's interesting dynamite I feel in this episode is just like how good, like the joke writing is so consistent yeah. and like yeah. for, on the page, this must've read like gangbusters, you know, even oh, yeah. I'm, it probably needed some touch-ups and stuff like that. And I was, I was curious, like for you, cause you, you also, you've been writing a lot lately uh, in general, yeah. like you, you've been talking to me about, you know, the projects you're working on, you're working on scripts and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So what is it you get out of this? What does this uh, teach you? What does this engage you with? You know, what is it that really connects? For me, it's the way patter plays out. It's a combination of the physical acting of the actors. Everybody, you know, manages to take the words on the page and turn it into something real. That is always the skill set that every single member of this cast has had. So, you know, the little bits like uh, the sitting and uh, Penny's uh, attempt at trying to make Laverne, trying to find out if this guy is married or not by looking at his socks and sniffing him. And then he, she and Phil over there desperately sniffing the sky, <laughs> not knowing what the heck is going on. Uh, and the, the dialogue is really solid. I love little tiny lines. Of, the way this one interlaces its jokes is really good. You, you, for instance, Shirley talking about cruising the side streets of Smut City with Carmine uh, in a desperate attempt to get him to talk. And she goes, I ain't get anything. He goes, I got something. <laughs> That's great. That's great. The way all the jokes and delays, like uh, Squiggy screaming at Laverne that she's Laverne de Fluzio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and then he doubles yeah. down and that's right, that's right. Defluzio! <laughs> Defluzio. Oh, God, yeah. And and David, again, just coming back in with those that yeah. amazing monologuing. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you gave David Lander a page or a half a page of dialogue, he could take that and turn it into a banquet. Mm. That was his skill. He could do that with, you know, almost like the flick of his wrist. He could just nail it to the wall. That was all excellent. That's all great. The physical acting by the boys as they're watching this this happen, by the way, and they hear their agency being spoken, the name of their agency being spoken on national television. That's a, not only a powerful moment, it's a funny moment, the way they handle it. Mm -hmm. And then fainting as the girls almost fall off that pyramid. And everything about that is, you know, gangbusters. But the, the way the script lays out that lays out its dialogue is fabulous. Now, I will never know how much of this was rewritten for the final draft. I'll never know how much of this was uh, came intact from other you know, from other drafts of scripts. But this is a really good confidence piece of work. And the way it interlaces how the girls speak in general with the boys idea of figuring out their horoscopes via a jar. Mm. Let's mm -hmm. <laughs> read my horoscope. What is that? It's great. It's very boys. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's like they've, uh, uh, it's like, do you figure like they take the, um, you know, today, the day's paper or something, they, they cut it into pieces, swirl it around with some water inside of a jar and they look at it and they see the words that come out or something. I had a feeling it was either tea leaves or them peeing in jars or something. <laughs> <laughs> so you were mentioning about the the writing on the show um so this duo that wrote this uh bronstein and perlow they worked they worked mostly on episodes when they uh on other shows together um i wanted to cover them separately as they had some divergences so robert perlow is the guy also who wrote or is credited as writing the diner in season five Ah, that explains it 
Season 5 is incredibly, incredibly well put together, and the diner, as always, remains a classic. So that explains a lot of what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I will, and, by the way, come back to what this teaches me as a writer. I will. After okay, finish. cool. Um, uh, but yeah, I was just going to mention about Perlow. Um, he also, you know, you're talking about like how everything sort of yeah. flows together and understand the actors. Yeah. Perlow also uh, worked as a warm up artist for uh, like Wonder Rama and was a, a bit player actor in the 80s, including playing a promoter in, an, in a uh, season eight episode. Uh, he is mm -hmm. the TV reporter in Night of the Comet, so he's one of the guys I think oh. from the, from the opening sequence where they're talking about the comet coming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's in a couple of episodes of Night Court, and really weird connection. He's in Stunt Rock. Oh. I watched Stunt Rock two months ago. That's hilarious. That's yeah. No, and I I just oh, saw it this God. year with the director in uh, attendance. Actually, it was really oh. cool. Yeah. Oh, that's that's I remember that. That's interesting. Interesting coinky dinks. Because, like, on the other hand, Bronstein is kind of a, uh, this was like the first kind of major writing of his career. You know, he then started working a little bit on Mork and Mindy, uh, became a story editor for, like, Who's the Boss, and has another episode of Laverne and Shirley. And then he would, like, you know, kind of just jump around by, like, you know, Getting By and Full House, Mr. Belvedere. But so, like, I'm curious about, you know, like, how that, you know, relationship is, because it sounds like they these two work together a lot. So, yeah. Did Perlow have that experience of being in front of the camera and did that relate? Anyway, so uh, yeah, go probably. ahead, back to what you were saying. Yeah. What this teaches me about writing is to pay attention to your dialogue, pay attention to what your characters know and what they know about each other and let that inform everything. Mm. Because this absolutely benefits from being informed by who the characters are aside from the slutty Laverne stuff or the easy Laverne stuff. Mm -hmm. That takes what we know about Laverne, takes it a step too far and makes her foolhardy. But this is a good take on the boys' dynamic, a good take on the girls' dynamic with the boys, a good take on the girls' dynamic with each other, a good take on the Shirley and Carmine dynamic, and a good take on Frank's dynamic with Laverne. So this is incredibly well-informed by who these characters are. So that's something I try to keep in mind when I write. Very good. Yeah, so no, I, I agree. I definitely agree with those, those, uh, those feelings yeah. towards the episode as well, because... I almost wonder yeah. if the whole like Laverne DeFluzio thing is because they wanted to have Shirley, you know, kind of go do the thing with Carmine, you know, and it's sort of like, well, if she's going to be able to go a little further with Carmine, which is definitely, you know, you and I were trying we're behind the scenes, we're trying to figure out like, okay, how far did she actually go with him? And I'm wondering if it's because of that, they in turn felt Laverne had to go further ahead. And had to be something more and because that's the catch right is that this is at a time when still uh, uh, portrayals of sexuality were driven as a um there's that weird push pull of open as in like you know honest or personal or you know or basically you know it's like don't take it too personally you know much more uh, open-minded and and promiscuous uh, healthily promiscuous versus also the pull of uh the pull <laughs> of you can't go too far you know that it's still somehow shameful to be too involved you know to go to that uh yeah 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 you'll figure it out eventually 
you probably rewatch it enough or are forced to rewatch it enough or whatever. Unfortunately, it will be, unfortunately it will be the latter. Yeah. Cause, cause it's the, the, cause that's the catch is like, I enjoy the episode, but I have zero intention of watching this ever again. And that's been becoming horrifyingly common with the California episodes. It's interesting that that was a dividing line for you. I don't know if it's because it's become less familiar. You were very familiar with the season five, uh, but with the season five, with the Milwaukee setting and the brewery and uh, everything staying blue collar. And then they'll say we're not blue collar and it's different. And we got Rhonda. We got more of a Hollywood setting. And a Hollywood setting have- that doesn't interest me. This is very, because I will also say, like, the way this is cut, the way the rhythm of this is edited, it feels more like typical sitcom. And what I liked in the first five years in the Milwaukee years is it felt more human. It felt like it was, it was straddling that place between screwball comedy. And kitchen sink drama. Yeah, 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 yeah. Most of the time, the show manages to still do that. We got some little doozies coming up. It's true. Some little good ones coming up. We haven't gotten there yet. We will. With time. Uh, I wanted to mention that uh, the really, I think one of the things that made me laugh the hardest in this episode was Laverne Soak coming in from her boat date. Uh, Shirley is having her ballet fantasy. Oh, I love that. Yes. The rhythmic door slamming, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's great. I love that. Um, I th- we did get a good hello gag here. I think this week Marlon Perkins goes to the land of the lost balloon. Hello, yeah, it's great. Oh, that's great. I love that one. <laughs> and Laverne having a thing about guys' feet, which is interesting in of, in of itself. Well, it's something her and Lenny, I guess, have in common. I guess some about feet. Mm-hmm. Hey. She didn't enjoy it when it was happening in Milwaukee. That reminded me of something else, and I'm being distracted because the blender is going on off downstairs. But um, I got a thunderstorm, so yeah, <laughs> I know that is the. I think I might be getting mixed up with a later episode. With oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's actually the next episode. But yeah, there's a there was something kind of shippy in this episode that. Uh... Oh, that's right. The dumber one. They can't agree which one's the dumber one. Shirley thinks it's Lenny and Laverne thinks it's Squiggy. My note is, and Lisa's yeah. going to go ship wild with that one. <laughs> Actually, I didn't I didn't pick that up as a ship tease. What I liked uh, uh, ship-wise was when Shirley rips the popsicle off of Laverne's lip. The, yes. And he goes immediately to comfort her. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what, that's what teamed it for me yeah and he's 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 kind of whispering just like i know it's smart it's smart yeah Yeah, it's so cute yeah he's babying her the way she babies him which is a rarity yep 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 um so anyway uh we learned that Vern's a capricorn here oh yeah that's new info that's one of the rare times we actually situate someone's birthday in a birth month and it's in a month i love no socks at all and their desperation, like to figure out what the hell's going on. Yes. Uh, speaking of that actor, Antoni, uh, uh, Anthony, Bla- uh, Anthony. I I will not actually try to pronounce that last name. It is of the type of name that I cannot, for the life of me, pronounce. But the actor played Janos. Unfortunately, uh, he is apparently looks like a trained performer because he did uh, stunts for uh, the Man with Two Brains. But this is his only other credit aside from that. So I've done a little bit of digging. I've had no luck digging up any information on the guy. But uh, but he was fun. I think him and Penny had good chemistry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very cute. Yeah, it's very cute. Uh, if the circumstances were not what they were within the episode, it would be more fun to watch some explore things. Mm-hmm. But man, this episode gets away with some stuff like the like Shirley going. And there are five more men upstairs, and Laverne going, "Great, three piece." <laughs> this yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. I remember our behind the scenes remarks about that were pretty uh, over the top. We will not be saying them on pod, but pri- private chat will know. Private chat will probably talk about it. Oh, probably. And um, well, top that with a tuna casserole joke. <laughs> okay. So, like, um, Frank's reaction to the situation is hilarious. Yeah. It's like, is he Italian? Yeah. 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 And he. Is tired of the bums she's dating. So this is becoming a, an even worse pattern for her in California. She's managed to find the scumbags even in California. That's going to come up later on in the season. We'll talk about that more too. Ugh. Ugh she has terrible taste in guys, especially in this season. I mean, at least the losers that she picked in Milwaukee were attractive physically. They were attractive physically or they were charismatic in their own way. Yeah. Like, even though Larry yeah, Bishop's yeah. Uh, character, yeah. uh, Jake, was... Yes a scumbag but he was charismatic you could see why yeah. he'd be the leader yeah. of a gang yeah. you know yeah 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 the rusties of the world you know at least they're physically attractive uh, oh yeah rusty guys... the one who i hope was hit by a bus and never heard of again <laughs> hong kong uh, <laughs> they had to they had to identify him by the uh the texture of his hair because the the face was there all you gone. go there you go dental work anyway no, 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 no. Uh, the teeth, the teeth no, were ground up into nice little paste. Yeah, the the, the no, the, yeah. a bus tire yeah. over a human head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I imagine so. Future, imagine. future, future editor will cut this out. Yeah, also we go on it. We're I, we're, I we're going, going nuts, aren't we? We're going totally crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm I'm watching the electrical storm happen outside my window. So yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I was going to say that even like Norman, like. Sweet Norman. You can understand why Laverne's attracted to Norman. You can understand why Laverne uh, really fell hard for Randy. You understand why she really fell hard for Sonny. Because either they're very attractive or they have kind hearts. Mm-hmm. And with these guys, you're, you're wondering what the hell's going on. Because they're just mediocre. Or they're horrible decisions. It makes them look desperate. But yeah. Well, deeper in this season, we will have to talk about this more. Because yeah. Softball Mickey Mantle. Ugh. The Mickey Mantle was kind of cute, yeah. though. But I do love the uh, exchange we were mentioning, uh, Pop, and how uh, it's like, yeah. well, th- I know what it looks like, Pop. It looks like I was sniffing him. But the truth is, yeah, I was sniffing him. And uh, Frank's response is, uh, why? Is it going bad? That's, I love that. I, I now want that to be a thing. It's like, you know, if ever, I, like, I'm expecting, like, if I ever, you know, I'm holding you in my arms, Lisa, and I, I give give a little sniff, you go, what, am I going bad? Yeah, yeah, that would be my reaction. What am I going bad? Oh. Also, the grin on Carmine's face when he sits down yeah. after you know the the Bimbolski and the smack to the face and everything yes. you know start you know back just the girls and Carmine and Carmine sits down with like a front row seat with the biggest grin on his face like oh yeah I get to see this yeah. go down yeah 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 he's watched them fight a bajillion times but every time it's fresh to him yep <laughs> Carmine gets a lot of little great asides here. Mm-hmm. He just comes in. He's the Amel Nitrate in this episode coming in for once. Oh, totally. Um, I love this throw, throw him a fish. <laughs> it was a really great one, too. Yep. Lenny thinking people eat uh, popsicles with a wrapper on. Ron, yeah. And he's like, isn't that the best <laughs> way? Doesn't it taste the best? Yeah. Oh, the yeah. Best way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you really can't taste it. So, eh. It's cute. It's really cute. The girls simultaneously yelling Lenny. And mm. they look at each other like, why did you do that? <laughs> it's great. And then he pops his head out and goes, what? Like, he's experienced that so many times in his life. 
Oh wait, you're talking about the uh, call down the 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 stupid yeah. one. Yeah, when they call him. Yeah. Do yeah, they? Yeah. Do, I don't they think they call. both call Lenny's name. I think it's just uh, it's just uh, uh, Shirley that calls for Lenny because they both. No, yell... it's the both of them. Really? I swear it's the both of them. I'm one. Okay, I'm look. I'm. I got the video. I got the episode. I'm queuing this up. Let's go to the videotape. Let's go to the videotape. Let's get one of the boys down here. All right. Let's get the dumber one though. Lenny! <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, that's cute. Okay, okay. Now I know why that's cute. Mm-hmm. Now I know why that's cute. Yep. Yeah, Laverne gives her because, a look like, what do you mean, Squeak? Is, yeah. What do you mean Lenny's the stupid one? Yeah, uh, yeah. She's Lenny's dumber than Squeaking. Laverne thinks that uh, Squeaky's dumber than Lenny, which is sweet. Because she knows Lenny better, mm-hmm. to be real. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I'd rather be proved wrong. Well, it's being proved wrong to make sure that your ship gets a little bit of, uh, gets a little tasty, tasty snack there. So, yes, that's cute, though. They never been calling Carmine the Ragu Boy. <laughs> I think the Ragu Boy's got to go down to the bus stop, yeah. Yeah. And they're both being scared of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Squiggy's extreme emotional bombast going, I told myself except my life ain't worth dying for. <laughs> I forgot that line. That's a good one. Yeah, there's some real zingers. Well, just a, God. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope that Sparkle Girl's Sparkle was a reference to Beyond the Valley. Not Beyond the Valley. To Valley of the Dolls. Please tell me that was a reference to Valley of the Dolls. I, I, sparkle means like Sparkle. So, somebody Please. needs to tell him that. But yeah, I. I yeah, I, you know what's I sad? Really you know what's sad? I've never seen the Valley of the Dolls. I've seen parts of Beyond <gasps> the Valley of the Dolls. I know. <gasps> Oh. Beyond the Valley Dolls is so great. It's so much fun. Ebert knew what he was doing. He was satirizing everything he could get his hands on. <laughs> Plus enjoying the bear boobs. Yeah. He was doing both at the same time. <laughs> he could do two things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can do that. You can do it at the same time. You can make you can make fun of Hollywood cliches and also enjoy a great rack. A great rack of a mature uh, adult person who is willingly showing you their rack. To be completely clear. Yes, yes, yes. A, someone who has decided that nudity is a beautiful yeah. thing. You know, yeah. like a, uh, yeah, anyway, moving on. That um, is liberating, like Michael. <laughs> <laughs> That's the boobs you were looking for. Anyway. Hey! <laughs> um, I can get some options for that. Yeah, so, <laughs> so then we get to the actual, like, the Tada girl. You know, they decide to fill in as the Tada yeah. girls. They realize that it yeah. is way beyond what they were expecting. Great physical comedy. Lots of fun. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, they do yeah. use a cut for the uh, for the big the biggest gag of them all, but I do not blame them because, holy crap, I'm amazed that they actually were able to yeah. get that in the schedule that they had for this show to even have that done at all. Yeah. Um, the amount of, again, amount of coverage, three cameras minimum, I would say it's probably four or five because there's just so many shots that they do. And I'm, I, and I, as you, because you get to see it from so many different angles, you keep thinking to yourself, how do the girls not kill themselves doing this? Cause, yeah. and this shows how yeah. trained yeah. this crew is yeah. for real. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is my consistent thought when I watch the really stunt heavy episodes from the show. When I watched Dinner for Four, uh, when I watched um, Not Quite South of the Border, when I watched things like that, the Fabian episode, it's like, how did they survive this? Michael said, you know, aside from Penny falling, there weren't a lot of serious injuries. At one point, Penny kicked him in the forehead and she cut him open. He had to have stitches, which is the worst injury he ever suffered. And I don't think David ever got hurt. And that's all amazing to me. Yeah, he, uh, all he did was dish out yeah. the pain on, the, uh, on that poor defenseless script. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
multiple scripts. At least four <laughs> at this point we've discovered. God bless that man wherever he is. Aww. May his memory be a blessing forever. I was gonna say, my note on this whole scene is this is adorable. Dreams are coming true. Yeah. And it really is. And the girl's dream of being on TV is coming true. The boy's dream of finally making something out of one of the projects, their harebrained schemes, has come true. Uh, it is, in its own way, really beautiful. It's goofy, it's silly, it's funny, but it's also really beautiful. Because finally they have climbed the Mount Everest of class differences and uh, all the oppression they've been through, all, this, all the crap they've been through educationally. Mm. You know, the fact the boys barely graduated high school, uh, the fact that they were basically living in the gutter, all of them, they're barely able to financially make it. And here they are on national TV. That's powerful. It is. In its own way. In its own way, it is. I think because I can't feel that for this particular episode, that's part of why it doesn't connect with me. Because it doesn't have this it doesn't have the speech that reminds us of that. It doesn't have the moments that are able to integrate that seamlessly into saying we're actually building towards something. Instead it's just here's comedy, laugh, have your entertainment, buy some products that from from the sponsors. Now go home. You scumbag, you scum. Scum. And and so it just doesn't I don't know. Yeah, like that's cause something kind of telling in a sense to me about like how disconnected that I feel or just kind of like, it seems fitting, you know, or, uh, as it were, just kind of thematically suited. There's only two actors, actually, excuse me. There is only one actor, the Anthony actor is Janos that is credited as a guest star. There are all those acrobats plus the two wives and the voiceover actor for the, uh, the voice, the Jetson voice. Yeah. We only have one person credited out of that whole bunch. Wow. And so the only other person that it's, they're uncredited, but they're marked as the young acrobat. Uh, so the young guy with the uh, very poofy 70s haircut, Sean Stanek. Yeah. I want to make sure I mention him because he was simply billed as the young acrobat and he was uh, trained as one. He w- looks like he grew up in the circus and was grew up doing different things, different jobs throughout the entertainment industry ever since. And he's even written and directed a few projects in like the 2000s. He's done bit parts like in Starman, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, one of the gambler movies with wow. Kenny Rogers. Uh, he went into visual effects coordination and motion capture supervising for films such as The Sixth Day, Titanic, Beowulf, uh, various video games, including Resident Evil 5, Uncharted 2, Infamous 2, and so forth. And so my point is, what I'm trying to make this analogy yeah. here is yeah. that this guy, again, this is somebody who grew up in show business, but it's like he has created and crafted this amazing career that has grown up through the years. You, there's a sense of not knowing who this, you know, like I only found out about this because I did all the research about this last night. Yeah. And that's the thing about yeah. this episode is something's not like that depth of what you're talking about. I don't disagree. I, these, it is yeah. all present in the scope of the show, but mm-hmm. the episode itself on both the script and especially on a directing standpoint, none of that is communicated to me. I don't feel that. And I don't, and I don't feel it because I don't live with these characters the way that you do, as 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 the much more yeah. intense fan of the of the show. And yeah. I wish that I had that connection, and I need something for this episode to give me to give me more of that sense of they are really succeeding here, and that they get offers, and that they, you know. So the, you know, we were talking about this at the end of uh, Child's Play about how like that is an episode where like 
if it ended there where they get a TV show and they make their dreams come true and they do it by being themselves and et cetera, and they kind of figure out like how to make this work and how to integrate their friends and family and start, you know, planning ideas. That's kind of the interesting thing is like, it's trying to have an echo of that, but then it just is like, okay. And then everything goes back to normal. And that's the thing. I just, I, I get frustrated with episodic content like this. So I don't know, uh, but that is definitely something I think that doesn't feel connected to the bigger picture. I'm having to hunt for it. I shouldn't have to hunt for it. Yeah. 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 Uh, emotions will shift back and forth. It's my only advice that I got you back to. I, uh, the fact that you're frustrated actually shows that you do care about the show to a degree. Otherwise, you're just like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's the thing. Yeah. I'm I'm frustrated by that for some of these episodes that are coming up. And then there's others that, like, I actually don't even remember. Oh yeah, the third episode is the whatever happened to Sal. I wonder whatever became of yeah. Sal. Yeah, that one I don't care for, and we'll we'll yeah. get we'll get to that. Um, we'll get that. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, that being said, I like the diary scene. Yes, we finally got a diary scene. It's been ages. Mm-hmm. It's been like two seasons, I think. Yes, at least we haven't had one since Milwaukee. Surprisingly, Shirley did not take, pick up her diary to uh, record the California move on screen. Which is interesting in of itself. God, that would have been amazing. Well, yeah, but then also if they had planned Road to Burbank by that point, they would have had to have, uh, you know, let slip that something yeah. was wrong. Which actually, wait a second. That old court case could have then had her using the 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 diary for the Rashomon sequence. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it could have been her very own blue book. Oh. Just like Mary Astor. Just like Mary Astor. Mm. With her diary talking about what happened to her. Also, do you want to let the audience at home uh, give the reminder to those who've seen the episode as to what Lenny and Squiggy are setting up the next act at, uh, for their, uh, their business? The bouncing checks. <laughs> Settle in. They're, 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 they're from Prague. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. They're from Prague. Bouncing checks. And they found their niche. Hey. They did. They totally did. East European acrobatic acts. It's fantastic. It's perfect. It's great. It's and you know what? It's very Squignowski. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is very uh, it's and they're successful. They got them on TV. Hey, that's cool. That is cool. And that's more success than they've had in ages. Ages. And then we get Penny in pigtails in a blue jumpsuit, and it is absolutely freaking adorable, and I love it. Yes. Talent! She can cartwheel, she could cartwheel the best of them at that point. So sweet. My last note is fucking adorable. That's what I, <laughs> my full note, my full note on the episode entirely is fucking adorable. That's what I think of it. Nice. Um, yeah. And I love even the remark, the st sentiment that Shirley makes, you know, but then to change is to grow. And as you were saying, you know, that's where this season is kind of headed is like they're, they're growing up. They're changing yeah. and transforming. Yeah. And it is to grow. Yeah. That's the plan anyway. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Our little babies are growing up and leaving the nest and figuring out what they can do with their lives and what they can do with their talents. And it's in a way emotional, even though it's not quite reaching you yet. But so there will be other um, moments where it will hit you. They're fucking better be. <laughs> they're fucking. Oh, yeah. There's a couple of really good episodes deeper in the, deeper in the season. There's some payoff episodes. There's some uh, affecting episodes. There's some silly episodes. There's some stuff, you know, deeper in there. You might have to put up with some Trumpovich Tr Tr directing, but uh, you'll get there. There's a really uh, affecting one um, after, uh, within the next set, we're going to watch. Okay. You haven't seen it yet. So, All right. Yeah. 
so we'll get there yeah all right um so we're down to ranking this pupper um yeah wanna go first six and a half I'm going higher with an eight. I really like this episode. Wow, you really uh, like this episode. Yeah, Damn. I really like this episode. Uh, it does affect me. It's got some great physical comedy, some great dialogue. The only thing I don't like is the Laverne DeFluzio stuff, but uh, Laverne having agency enough to stand up for herself. She's not just taking the Laverne DeFluzio stuff. And she does make it right in the end. In the end, she makes it right. You know, The, the show does blame her for doing this. Even though it shows that it's not her fault, especially with the acrobat that this happened. Mm -hmm. But I'm willing to put that aside because the end is almost not even about that. That's just like a setup to show how much the gang has rallied around each other and to get us to the acrobat show and to get us on TV. So, yeah, I really like this episode. It's like it more than you. Yeah. yeah. I get what it is. That's a tis what it is. But, uh, Okay. Well, in any case, um, we still have uh, we still have a whole another season, two yeah. seasons. Yeah. So this is the start of season seven. Yeah. We'll see how this goes. I mean, um, yeah. it's really weird. Like, I and and I'm saying this on pod because you know I've talked to you about to, to you about this privately. Is that uh, even today yeah. specifically? Is I get really excited about doing these podcast episodes, and usually when I watch the episode the first time, I don't really mind it. But what's happened yeah. since? season a lot of season six and the last few episodes of season six and especially with this batch of like the first four or five episodes of season seven i get annoyed and bored and it it could just be and i said it could just be burnout but i'm really like this is going to be an interesting thing as we kind of get to the final stretch because like i really do you know as i i have stated i feel done like i feel very done like season five Mm -hmm. was it and this is like the zombified corpse coming back from the dead. This is like that bad first Comedy Central season of Futurama. And huh. uh, and, and and specifically the, the, some of the episodes, like what was it? Uh, uh, the um, the one with uh, Leela and Zap stuck on the quote unquote marooned planet or whatever. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. I remember that one. I fucking hate that episode. Um, so that's. And it sucks because, as said, I it, this one feels brought down. Like, there is some really good juice in there. But just something's not... I'm really curious about where the show running and producing... Because the producing side of making this type of show, I mean, is a lot of what makes it what it is. That's why we've praised certain showrunners and producers through the years of television because they're the ones that really spearhead making sure that things stay on track that the best is the the best content is being put together and so forth and i mean by this point uh you figure um gary was busy off doing young doctors in love is what i figure as well yeah. as bouncing uh, mork and mindy and all that other stuff and a lot of the uh the talent for the uh the writing staff had basically had a brain drain a bunch of these the the best of the best had kind of jumped off to other shows like bosom buddies and uh you know they were doing and the main thing is is they were also were growing they were going off and doing other stuff and that's not to you know give uh, perlo and bronstein you know too much flack because i mean what they have here is strong but like I feel like a good producer would have looked at some of the meanness or even just some of the, like the pacing or rhythm of the way things were being done, the way they're being written, the way they're being directed and say, you need a little something extra here because a good, because yeah. I feel like that's what the good captain is supposed to do. There's, you know, like there's the famous story about Bob Evans being shown a uh, work print 
of The Godfather, and, you know, Coppola was trying to keep it short. And after it's over, Evans looks to Francis and says, where the hell's the rest of the movie? <laughs> and he's basically saying, like, you know, I paid you to adapt the book. Where's the rest of the book? And yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's a, hours. a Give me a break. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, because because basically what he was and you know, what he was essentially saying is, you know, you're you're trying to predict what is supposed to be. And sometimes you have to listen to the work. And I guess that's my issue with an episode like this is it's not listening to the work and i'm noticing that's becoming common with some of these episodes we're gonna get into the, like yeah. the next one has more breathing room in a major sequence yeah. in the first half that really works yeah. and i will and, and, and we'll get to what my theory as to why that is but anyway i'm i'm rambling at this point and i'm just basically just turning this to complete wine fest so i apologize yeah. hopefully hopefully you know you brought some cheese to the wine fest here so uh you know you have yourself some nice little some nutty some ones with a bit of a nutty aftertaste you know with some crackers um but more swiss a swiss there you go oh man um anywho uh, does that cover everything for today? Anything else? I mean, you, feel free to tear apart my opinion at this point. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I think your opinion is valid because how you feel about the episode is how you feel about things that have gone. I have a more moderate point of view on it because you know it just works better for me. For me, it just works better. I, you know, it works better and it connects with me more emotionally in spite of this flaw that's going to continue getting worse and worse. As the season goes on. Uh, but for me, the camaraderie, for me, the writing, and for me, the physical acting uh, kind of supersedes even the, the flaws that I have and the, that I've seen in this one and some of the directing issues. Like, there are some shots he manages to pull off. Like, that shot from beneath Penny as she's being juggled on that guy's feet. That's a good shot. That's interesting. It's a good shot. It's visually unique. See, it's visually unique. It's interesting. But the catch is, is that sometimes when you get that unique of a shot, it's jarring. And, th and that's a case of my issue with that sequence is more the editing than it is the photography. It just doesn't. It, it There's I can't explain it necessarily, but it's like if I could fix this, I would. Like as an like, there are parts of me speaking as a filmmaker and the person that has you know I've yeah. edited all my own stuff. Yeah. It it just it's like yeah, it's driving me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it drives me crockers. You're looking at it from a director's point of view. That's what you're seeing. You're seeing it through a director's eyes. Yeah. That's why that's why I figured why it bothers you because you're seeing the flaws in the direction. You're seeing I can do this better. I mean, I don't know if I can do this better. It's just there's a certain element of taste, I guess, you probably just because. Could. Uh, we'll get we'll because. talk about that after afterward yeah <laughs> yeah anyway okay all right anyway yeah so because uh you've heard our opinions yes indeed okay well let's get a quick word from our sponsor of the week uh and then we'll we'll uh we'll come on back and we'll do our uh post amble and talk about what's coming up next week Okay. All right. Well, thank you again, everybody, so much for joining us for Night After Night. And if you would like to know more, please follow us on Twitter at Night After Night PC or Night After Night Pod on Facebook, Tumblr, WordPress, Patreon, and YouTube to get yourself in on these Laverne and Shirley shenanigans. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Let us know in the comments below on YouTube or just drop us a line and uh, 
you know, let us know how we're doing. Uh, see if uh, do you have uh, stronger feelings about uh, California years? Do you think that uh, we're some sort of, uh, that I am some sort of uncultured swine? Well, first of all, go fuck yourself. I don't care. <laughs> but anyway, what do we yeah. have? It feels. Hmm. I feel like I'm in pain here for a second. What yeah. What are we dealing with next week, Lisa? Shelly breaks Laverne's jaw after a morning's reminiscence turns sour, and the girls have to pick up the shredded shards of the relationship. This is, it only hurts when I breathe. Ah, yeah, that's what it is. It only hurts when I breathe. I guess I might as well go lie down and die. All right, see you next week, yeah. folks. Don't date an acrobat if he's not wearing any socks. Bye, y'all. Mm-hmm.